see it, don't need to. Hello, and welcome to Didn't See It, Didn't Need To, the podcast that asks the question, how much shit can you give to a movie that you've never seen? I make Joshua answer this question every week. I'm going to make him answer it now. Can you answer that? I think the answer I'm going to offer tonight is not as much as I would like, because I don't think we've yet perfected the formula of giving shit to movies uh, as much as they might deserve. So we're still finding our way, but the goal is as much as possible. Thank you for thank you for offering a different twist on that answer every week. I appreciate that. Trying to keep it fresh for the people. Thank you. Um, so I'm going to start. So we're doing West Side Story, uh, the new West Side Story directed by Steven Spielberg. And I am going to begin because I I have very little to say, which is I actually found myself um, today being incredibly anxious um, for kind of no reason. I mean, you know, one could be anxious every day, but I was kind of not doing a lot today until later I had to work at the wine store, but I didn't have a lot of like writing to do. So it should have been like a pretty chill day for me. And I found myself just feeling incredibly anxious. And I realized, and I'm not joking, I'm not trying to be funny. I am anxious that they made, that Steven Spielberg remade West Side Story in 2021. It, 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 the fact that that happened was was making me have a physical reaction of sort of heart tightening and like shallow and shallow breath because i actually didn't know this until you suggested that we do it i did i didn't know and um i actually find it really upsetting so can you say a little bit more about why you think it's so upsetting? I realized that was like, can you say a little bit more? I don't mean to sound like a therapist. I apologize, but I'm curious. Can, can Do you want to elucidate a little? Um, I I mean, I guess I would just say why. Uh, I, I, I feel like that, I feel like West Side Story was this big hit in the uh, the musical and then the, movie. I think the mu- musical is from like ugh, the mid fifties. And then the movie came out in like 61 with now Nat- with Natalie Wood and then someone else. And it's, it's really weird that these, uh, you know, white dudes made this show and that like, you know, they made Rita Moreno, like put darker makeup on and they, they, they used white actors and the, and then the show itself is just, very dated and I mean dated is like a nice word for it it's just it's just like something that was made at a certain time um and it's this really just on sort of unnecessary I don't know why I'm I'm I mean it's just I'm having trouble putting it into words because it's so horrifying to me that somebody remade this movie. It's just, it was, it was really, really fucked up and racist when they made it. And it's just like, I understand that like people listen to the music and whatever. And it's like something that 
people enjoy. And I'm not going to be like, if someone said, oh, I love the music from West Side Story, I'm not going to like stop talking to them. But it just seems like a terrible thing to do again. It was bad that they did it the first time. And the fact that they are doing it again, like on purpose, so, like it seems it, uh, just, I really just kind of, I feel like I'm living in a dream, a bad dream. So I feel like you, you've had the true, <clears throat> didn't see it, don't need to experience, which is to say, what do movies exist to do? Well, in a simple sense, they exist to uh, provide us with a feeling or a sensation, right? Or an experience. Uh, and you've just narrated like really having a feeling and a sensation and an experience. Like the movie totally did it for you without having to see it. You've really right. lived the, the didn't see it, don't need to, because you have the experience anyway. I can't make the same claim. I've not been able to generate such intense feelings. So I apologize if my take is a little, well, a little uh, more on the sort of introspective side or something or like film critical side. I'm not sure what the category is. Like you, I'm fascinated that it got made again. Uh, and I'm interested that it was thought that you could get away with it because you're right, right? It's, I mean, we can always say like different times, different standards. The movie was, was kind of fucked up and it was made. I wasn't aware when I first saw the movie. And I should say as a sidebar, I've probably seen West Side Story as many times as I've seen any other movie ever for the simple reason that when I was like in eighth grade or something, I was an AV kid, right? And I had the job of showing movies to all the, you know, the film appreciation class, whatever it was, the art class. So every, every uh, you know, I would show the movie 12 times, uh, you, you know, and, and with on, on celluloid and threading it through the projector and, and everything. So I have a visceral experience of, of the original. It was fucked up then, retrospectively, it's obviously even more fucked up. So who in the world could get away with making this movie? Like who has the sort of, you know, cultural capital would be the fancy term. I don't love it. Maybe just like the cred, the trillions in the bank, the immovable path, position at the top of the Hollywood hierarchy who could thus get away with it with no fear of being canceled and so on and so forth. And the answer is obviously Steven Spielberg. It's a match made in somewhere, right? Only it's, and it's not just Steven Spielberg is a trillionaire. It's not just that he is as trillionaires go sort of respected artistically, but also he's had this career. I think I stole this idea from my mom, right? That's had this very interesting shape where he made a bunch of pulp movies you know, your, your jaws and, uh, you know, so on ET and, and, and then he took to this project of doing kind of service movies for the demographic audiences who he thought of as being the people who'd made him a, a billionaire in the first place. Right. So he made Schindler's list for his Jewish audience and he made Amistad for an African-American audience and just started doing this demographic service work. So he's had this amazing career which we can now see culminates in him having secured a position. We can go back and make a movie that is even more racially problematic to be generous than it was in the first place. So I think that's in a way an amazing trajectory, but nothing about that makes me want to see the movie or what he did with it uh, or so on and so forth. Like, I just don't want to know. 
so that's my that's my my take on the movie and like its existence in the world but it remains baffling given our different reactions to it why either of us would ever see it which i think leads me to the first of our three preset questions long-time listeners will know every episode we have three preset questions and then we 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 make two bespoke questions for each other so let's start with our first preset question what would have to happen for you sarah miller to see this movie during my i i had to drive today for a long time and i I actually, I was listening to something and I actually turned it off to spend time thinking about this. And I, all I could think of was like sort of the game Mousetrap where somehow like Ruthie ran into the living room and she got her foot caught on a leash and then she wrapped it around my legs. And then I fell down on the ground and landed um, and then she somehow got another leash caught on her other leg and, and wrapped up my arms so that I was essentially um, bound by Ruthie. And then like I fell onto a remote that turned on the television where West Side Story by, uh, directed by Steven Spielberg, who I, I just cannot stand him and his work. And I actually saw today that he, he his net worth is $3.5 billion, which I'm is sure that, just... I'm sure that understates it. I deeply believe he's a trillionaire and just won't admit it. Mm. I think he actually operates an animatronic Jeff Bezos. That is, you know, I, I, I have a clear picture of the world. I think it's and completely I, rational. I actually was laughing. I was looking at like his donations to like whatever crap he donates to, but it, um, he, you know, he gives them like a million dollars. I was like, which is basically like one of us giving someone like $5. <laughs> Uh, so yes, that's what, that's what would have to happen. I would have to, it would have to be a sort of, uh, a, a, a Pee Wee Herman, like breakfast, you know, how the way he makes his breakfast with the little machines and the toast falls in the thing that would have to happen for me to, to for me to see this movie. So sort of a, a fanciful version of like Clockwork Orange, where you have to be strapped into a chair with your eyes cranked open watching, right. watching I mean, the screen. Yeah, I, I just... I couldn't think of a better answer. And I, I drove like all the way, I drove all the way from like, you know, out, uh, outside of town, into town, from the country to the city, uh, 40 minutes trying to answer this question. All I could come up with was that, so. I'm not sure I have a better answer. I will say just by way of trying to operate on some principle of generosity, I think Steven Spielberg is good at some things. I enjoyed a couple of those early genre films. I think Steven Spielberg is good at moving a lot of bodies through space. Like I actually think he's very good with a crowd scene and like blocking a crowd scene. I don't think that would necessarily make him well foot to fit to do a dance movie. And of course he didn't do the choreography for this, for this movie. It was a, it was a new person sort of updating the, uh, the original choreography, the Jerome Robbins uh, uh, work. But that does get me just sort of an answer to the question, which is I do have, you know, uh, uh, people who are, who are close to me, who I go to the movies with, who are dancers and really into dance. And I could imagine one of them saying like, I know this movie is gonna be fucked up, but I'm really into dance. I'm curious what they did with it. I'd like to see, will you come with me? And I'd be like, will you buy me candy? And they'll be like, yes. 
And I'd be like, I am down. So that would be the scenario in which I could imagine seeing this movie. That is a very generous answer. And yes, I did like um, Indiana Jones and I did like Jaws. Um, I actually saw Jaws being being filmed when I was like five years old. Oh, dope. Yeah, I loved Jaws when I was a kid. I, like, I liked the movie so much. I read the book, which is that important reversal, right? Because usually the book comes first and then there's a movie. Right. But but in that case, like I saw the movie and loved it. So I like tracked down the book and read it. And I was like, this is boring. And, and that was, I think, an early experience I had of like what the difference was between movies and, and books and what they were what they were good for. Uh, um. So question number two, um, what would you be dreading most as you watch this film? I think I have like the simplest possible answer to this, which is the song America. Like A, I hate America in the first place. B, um, that song was vexing in the original and now in the present I would be dreading either them playing it straight or them trying to update her and give it a spin and somehow make it uh, uh, different. I would just be, you know, dreading that immensely. How about you? What would you be most dreading about? Uh, I have to, this animal is, hang on one second. Yep. That's why God made editors. Go ahead, bud. Go ahead. Well, I had the same answer as you, but I had sort of another answer, which is I've read a couple reviews that say that the dancing scenes are, uh, the the transitions between the drama and the dancing scenes are actually really well done. And it's like the sort of well doneness of them that would because I agree with you, like Spielberg is good at certain things. And so I feel like it's like the well doneness of them that will infuriate me. Not because like, I'm like, God damn it, Steven Spielberg's a genius. Why is he doing this? But just the, just the, the sort of evil of the, this, the combination of his technical skills and then like his just completely depraved sense of like what it is to be a human being and his just, his general outlook on the world. Legit. So we're going to go to our third preset question. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to give you a little bit of a warning. I think this is the last time we're going to use this question. I've complained about this question before. I don't want to keep carping. I feel like the thing about this question is we always answer it anyway in our sort of opening riffs. So I think that we can probably live without this question in the future, but let's do it one more time. Why can you live without seeing this movie? Well, I can live without seeing this movie because I saw West Side Story, the play, um, as a child. I believe I saw it at either Monument Mountain High School or Mount Greylock High School. Uh, I did not go to either of these high schools, but these are the high schools near me that had like actual auditoriums in them. My high school did not have an auditorium. Um, so I would see musicals there. I also may have seen it at Berkshire Community College, but I know that I saw West Side Story as like a eight-year-old and I really enjoyed it and I feel like that is that's fine that I mean I, you know I don't regret having had that experience um but that I feel like that is like the only way that West Side Story should have been enjoyed which is like in the far past I can live without seeing this movie for one very simple reason 
And that is the only reason I would see this movie, much like the only reason I would watch Real Housewives of Orange County, is so that I could talk smack about it with someone else. And we're talking smack about it right now. I get to do the smack talking without seeing the movie. Luckiest boy in the world. No need to see the movie. Moving on. I have one thing to say, which is that that since this is the last time that we did this question, I think we should imagine like how Steven Spielberg would film this, which is like that he would have somebody playing taps. (laughs) Like with mist. Well, this is the weird thing about Zoom, which is where we're recording this for y'all at home, if you're wondering, is it's always a split screen. If you like the split screen as a cinematic device, Zoom is for you because that's all it is. (laughs) It just goes on forever. We're now going to move into our final our bespoke uh, questions. Passage. Our bespoke questions. I'm going to invite you to ask the first of the bespoke questions. Okay, I have two would you rather's. Two would you rather's. I like those because they're pretty easy. I just choose. Yeah. Would you rather watch Lincoln or swim for 20 minutes? in 50 degree water. Now, harking back to your earlier work, am I wearing a wetsuit? No, you're not. And, and, and by 50 degree water, I mean like the coldest water no. that like, you're not gonna die. I gotcha, I gotcha. I, I, I'm gonna be honest about that. I would rather watch Lincoln uh, because you know, I, I do not like physical pain. Uh, I'm, I'm against it. Uh, I. I I would suffer through Lincoln. I feel like Lincoln, which I avoided entirely, involved Daniel Day-Lewis, uh, who, who's back in the news these days because he keeps coming up in that weird semi-hit piece about Jeremy Strong in The New Yorker. And, and like my inability to care about Daniel Day-Lewis's excellence is I feel one of one of the fundamental aspects of my character. Nonetheless, I would see Lincoln before I would swim in the freezing cold water. Thank you for posing that challenge. I wish my questions were as cool as yours. They're not, this is kind of a nerdy question. Now I feel very apologetic, but you'll forgive me. So as I'm pretty sure literally everyone knows, West Side Story in the original form is itself an adaptation of Romeo and Juliet. The surface of the planet is littered with Shakespeare adaptations of various kinds. Of all the Shakespeare adaptations in the world, of all various kinds, novels and plays and movies and iterations and updates and repetitions and remakes, what is your favorite Shakespeare adaptation? Probably, um, wait, is uh no i was thinking of um okay no um well the only one i can think of right now that i sort of liked was 10 things i hate about you that is the correct answer thank you moving on okay (laughs) (laughs) i I mean i do think that the romeo plus juliet uh remake from 97 with dicaprio and danes was had had its had its pleasures, but 10 things I hate about you is clearly the correct answer. You are winning this uh, in the extreme. I'm ready for my second question. Would you rather see The Post, which is like Meryl Streep playing the, uh, you, do you know The Post? Okay. Catherine, playing Catherine Graham. 
Yes, playing Catherine Graham. Would you rather see the post or wear dockers every day in public? Like you're 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 work, you know, you're working, you're not just zooming, you're actually out in the world, you're you're going to dinner with people, you're getting drinks, you're going to watch basketball games, you're working. Would you rather see the post or wear dockers every day for a month? I want to stress that while your questions are easy in the sense that it's just choose one of the other, they're also cruel. They're fundamentally cruel. And I just, I just want to note that if people don't understand at home that there's a big underlying cruelty to these questions, like here are the kinds of extreme suffering that are your life options, <laughs> which one will you choose? Uh, I, there's a long answer to that and a short answer to that, but I think I'm going dockers on that one. I, I kind of don't care about that stuff. I, I won't say I'm entirely without vanity at all, but yeah, not I a big deal for me. I, I'd, I'd rock those dockers. It's, it's fine. Would you? Okay, um, and okay. I, would, okay. I would, but I would take every opportunity when people would be like, hey, Clover, what's up with those dockers? I'd be like, funny story. Sarah Miller is making me do this. <laughs> and, uh, and they'd be like, yeah, I wouldn't watch the post either. You know what's can't, really funny is... I saw the post on purpose because I knew that I would really enjoy laughing at it. And I had such a fun time watching it. You know, what's really not that funny is that my advisor in graduate school was a relative by marriage of Catherine Graham. So I feel already too close to it that I can't, that's why that's in truth why I go with the doctors. Like I can't even go there in, in that whole world. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I just laughed my ass off and had such a fun time watching it. Like, I just, I think Meryl Streep, she's like sometimes okay, but I, I sort of find she's just excruciating, but I, so there's something, uh, there's something um, train wrecky that um, it's a, that, that kind of thing was ple pleasurable for me. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a Meryl Streep fan as you, as you could, as you could predict. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't, I'm not as proud of my indifference to Meryl Streep as I am of my indifference to Daniel Day-Lewis, but uh, I'm, I just don't care. Okay, here's my last question for you. And this question comes with a little bit of a wind up. I hope you give, you'll give me a second. Okay. So of, there's sort of four auteurs behind the West Side Story movie, the original, the 1961 version. There's Jerome Robbins, the choreographer. There's Stephen Sondheim, recently passed, uh, who wrote, you know, hand, handled the, the, the lyrics and, and, and uh, I believe most of the music. Um, and then there is Leonard Bernstein who also contributed to the, to the music. And there is Arthur Lawrence who wrote the libretto. So Leonard Bernstein and Arthur Lawrence were both blacklisted during the McCarthy period. Uh, and there's a review or like a discussion of West Side Story in the New York Times. Uh, interesting enough, and, and you know, both you and I prepare for these, these uh, uh, sessions by, by reading these reviews. So I read, there was five critics talking about what it means to make a remake and so on and so forth. They mentioned the Blacklist story and they say that uh, Bernstein and Lawrence were blacklisted for their civil rights activism. Now, that's not true. 
they both were engaged in civil rights activism. Bernstein, in fact, quite famously by 1970, hosts a big, huge fundraiser for the Black Panthers who are on trial, uh, famous event that Tom Wolfe writes about. Uh, so that civil rights activism exists, but that was not the reason for their being blacklisted if you look at their FBI files, which of course I did because I prepare for these podcasts, Sarah Miller. The reason they were both blacklisted is because, well, Bernstein was accused of being a communist and eventually had to write a long letter to get his passport back because they took his passport, had to write a long letter declaring his loyalty to the United States and how he detested communism and it's really awful and painful to read. Arthur Lawrence was not blacklisted for being a communist because he was never a communist, never a member of the Communist Party, none of those things. He was, however, in a Marx reading group. Oh my and God. That's, and that's what got him blacklisted. So this is your final bespoke question, Sarah Miller. Are you now or have you ever been in a Marx reading group? <laughs> yes, I have. I've been in, I've been in several. I've been in, I've been in both official Marx reading groups and I've been in unofficial Marx reading groups. And well, I fear your career is over. That's fine. Although congratulations on your uh, article in the New Yorker that just came out, I think today or yesterday, last last couple of days. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, so so they haven't blacklisted you yet, but surely your day is coming. And thank you for your, your help with my um, New Yorker article. I think my help involved like rearranging the nouns in one sentence. So I'm, I'm happy to make that small contribution. I don't know about that. So that's it. And I'm really excited that we're never doing that question again. We're going to have to come up with a new question. Well, we don't have to come up with it immediately because as our listeners, all two or three of them might be uh, excited to know our next episode is going to be a special year end episode oh. where we ask each other questions about the entire year in oh. cinema of, oh. of movies we didn't see all year long. That's awesome. I'm so excited. Didn't see it, don't need to. All right. Well, that was another rousing episode of Didn't See It, Don't Need To, starring me, Sarah Miller, from therealsarahmiller.substack.com, and Joshua Clover, my friend. And our producer is Erica Heilman. Our music was written by Chuck Lindo of the amazing band Wizard Band. And our graphics were done by Rebecca Ackerman. Thank you for listening to this show. Thank you to our fan, parentheses, S. We'll see you soon. All hail Wizard Band. Yes, Wizard Band, the greatest band of all time. Didn't, 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 didn't see it.